and welcome to the Think MHK podcast presented by the Manhattan Area Chamber of Commerce. On this podcast, you will hear about a variety of local matters pertaining to the business community. You also hear from local business owners to hear their story and gain valuable business insights. Thanks for tuning in today. We have a great guest today, uh, Colonel Michael Foote, who is the garrison commander at Fort Riley, is our guest on the Think MHK podcast. Colonel Foote, how are you? Great. Thanks so much for having me here today. I'm excited to have you. So tell us a bit about yourself. I mean, obviously, we know how you ended up in Manhattan, but uh, what what is your background and had, had you ever been to Fort Riley or Kansas before? I had never been to Fort Riley before, but had been at Kansas. We were stationed over at Fort Leavenworth for two years, um, several years ago. Um, my wife and I met in college, quick background, um, and then uh, got commissioned into the Army and traveled the nation ever since. Um, we've been all over the place and just happened to end up in beautiful Fort Riley for this assignment. Well, good. And you and your wife met in college. And I'm, I'm going to take a minute here because let's tell people what college that is. That's right. We were at the University of Oklahoma. So we are uh, kind of behind enemy lines up here in Manhattan and, and figuring out how to fit in with this purple. Well, obviously, I'm a K-State fan, but but in, in my heart, I'm an OU fan first since I grew up in Norman. So you and I have that Oklahoma in common. So talk about being in Wildcat country. I know you hadn't been here very long, but but what's that been like? It's been fantastic. It's super good to get to come home and we're hitting the beginning of football season. So we've been to the K-State pep rally already and it, it just getting to experience that Big 12 football and that and that love of the homeschool is is fantastic. It is a pretty unique culture up here. I, it was something that I fell in love with right away. Of course, I'm, I love college football as well, but uh, this is a community that really loves K-State, and and I think K-State loves its community back, and I think makes it a unique place. Yes, you you can feel that when you get here, and we've been all over the United States from, from East Coast, even to Alaska, and it's just something about doing football here is it, it really brings it around, and even some of the other engagements, just that passion for the school and the community. It's hard to see where K-State starts and, and Manhattan stops. And one of the other things that I've been impressed with, Manhattan is, I believe Manhattan loves the Army, as does Junction City and the region. Has that been your experience as you've come in? Yes, I think uh, extremely welcoming. Um, a lot of the a lot of the times, the people will use the word grateful. Um, and, and Fort Riley's had an, an interesting experience because when the Big Red won, this is the home of the Big Red One, and when it left for a few years to go to Europe. The community felt that impact and they they knew it. And so it was blessed to have the big red one come back. It's in place and it's thriving. And uh, we're, we're, we're continuing to try to grow what's what's on Fort Riley and make sure that that relationship stays solid. And you and I have talked before, and you're you're originally from the Texas Panhandle group in that area. What made you decide to go into the Army? Uh, so you're right. I grew up in a little town called Pampa, um, and I was one of those kids that just had a passion to go serve in the military at some point. Um, I didn't come out of a military family. Dad and uncles and grandpas had all served in, in Vietnam and World War II, but that's really what I wanted to do. And I was blessed to get an ROTC scholarship. So rather than just enlisting in, that's how I got to Oklahoma with that scholarship and got commissioned through that program. And you were in special forces. What did that entail? So so I started out as an artilleryman. So in Oklahoma, we went back to Fort Sill and learned how to do that job um, and then went out to Fort Bragg to play artillery in the 82nd Airborne for a few years. Um, learned the Army and saw special forces 
what was going on and the missions they had and, and was very attracted to that and shifted over to that um, and uh, have had a great time doing it. It's just brought amazing opportunities to travel the world, work with incredible people, um, incredible Americans and incredible partners. Uh, you never know in the in the special forces world, are you going to be in a village working with, with just normal people or the next day you could be dealing with a U.S. ambassador or even a prince of a, of a country. And so it's uh, been a great, great career and great experiences. And when did you decide to transition into being a garrison commander and how did that happen? So that's an army choice for me. Okay. Um, so it, we, we were up for battalion command and um, the army only has a certain number of commands and they pick the top to do that. And in special forces, there's only about 10 that get picked to be tactical. And then the army says, we have all these other job requirements that we need commanders um, that nobody's necessarily been trained to do. And so special forces does well transitioning in there just because it requires a different leadership style. And so the army said, Hey, you're going to be a garrison commander now. Um, and we took little Fort Greeley, Alaska, um, way up by the, uh, the Arctic circle, fantastic two year experience. Um, it's not very often you go out in the backyard and have to worry about moose, um, and, and bears and things, but it was an incredible experience getting to go up there. What's in Fort Greeley? So Fort Greeley is where um, it, the Army has its Space and Missile Defense Command um, counter intercontinental ballistic missile field. And so that is the center of what America uses to defend our country and some of our partners across North America against a, 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 a nuclear attack from another nation. I got it. And so being near the Arctic Circle, you had the... Almost 24-hour daylight, I'm sure, and then yes, almost 24-hour yes. darkness. And how did yes. you adjust to that? Um, so it's – I would tell people it's its chemistry. Like everybody thinks, oh, I can just kind of tough that out. And when your body loses vitamin D, it doesn't matter how tough you are. But it is truly as hard and as dark as, as everybody says it is. And cold. And cold. Um, it was average in the wintertime, negative 30, negative 35. <sighs> The kids would go outside for recess as long as it was above negative 25. So let that sink in. Not, not 25, negative 25, and they would still get dressed up and run outside for about a 20-minute recess. That seems crazy to me. It was, uh, it's a culture shock, but it, it, again, it's, a, it was amazing to watch kind of the human body be able to adjust because when you go from negative 25 to 25... 25 degrees is still below freezing, but that 50 degree temperature change is like going from 25 to 75. And so you could go outside in a light jacket at 25 when it did warm up a yeah. little bit and it was no no big deal. So Kansas winters are going to be nothing for you guys. That's, I mean, uh, it, it, it will be, we, we are well equipped to handle Kansas winters. Yeah. How is this post going to be different? Other than the weather, how is this post going to be different? So for you? size and scope. I think are the two biggest things. Um, and the mission of the units that's there. Obviously up there we had the missile field. That's a very niche requirement um, and, and really the only place that does that. And then here you've got the 1st Infantry Division. And so we've got our tanks and our Bradleys and all our maintainers to run that. So we've got 15,000 soldiers that are there training every day to get ready to go fight our nation's wars. And with them, they bring about a little over 15,000 family members. So that's dependents uh, everywhere from brand new babies to spouses that that have their own careers and their own lives. And so there, there's a whole lot more interaction and a bigger population to take care of. So for those that are listening that maybe aren't as familiar with Fort Riley um, as others, 
we hear about the Garrison Command, then we hear about the 1st Infantry Division. Can you talk a little bit about the difference in those? And then how, do, how does the Garrison Command and the, and the 1st ID uh, interact with each other? The easiest way I think that the model to use is the, the Garrison runs the post as if it was a town. So my job, if I was in Manhattan, would be city manager. Um, and then my team runs everything from the public works uh, to the security of the base uh, and, and then even the, 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 the training side of the house. The, the big red one, the infantry division, is just training to go do its mission. And so I'm kind of in the background making sure that they're able to go out to the training areas and do what they need to do. But then also that their kids are set up to go to child care so that they are not worried about where their children are while they're either deployed or out on training events. Major General John Myers, the commanding general, kind of wears two hats. So he's the, the commander of the 1st Infantry Division as the two-star. And then he also has the other hat as the senior commander for Fort Riley. And so he does a lot of balancing between, hey, Garrison, here's what I need for the division. And then, hey, division, here's what we need to go to war. And that's that's really how that relationship works. In this structure, the the um, the 1st Infantry Division commander oversees the entire operation, but then you oversee the actual physical operations of, correct, of the post. Correct. So like right now, he's forward with the division headquarters, um, and that leaves me in the back to, to keep all of the, 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 the logistics processes running to make sure the families are taken care of. So using your analogy, he would be the mayor and you're the city manager. Absolutely. All right. I, Absolutely. I think that's a little clear for, for people who maybe don't understand that. So we talked a little bit about uh, the relationship between Manhattan and, and quite frankly, the region as a whole and Fort Riley. What can we do? What can the community, the region do uh, to best support the soldiers and the family at Fort Riley? So I think the the three biggest things I would say are education, employment, and engagement. Um, education opportunities for our soldiers and families here are fantastic. We can have a program uh, with with Barton College that any service member or family member can get up at least up to an associate's degree paid for by the state of Kansas. That's a phenomenal opportunity. The other piece that we can that we really tie into are our elementary schools, middle schools, and high schools within uh, USD 383 and USD 475, and just bringing in not only our students into those classes and the extra resources that we provide to, to support those children, but also for our spouses that are that are teachers that can come in and help helping get tied into those very well. That my second piece of that, the employment, is our spouses come in. A lot of them are educated. A lot of them have their careers. They do have the challenge with those careers is their service member moves around. That's just part of the nature of our business. But given those service members, uh, spouses, opportunities for employment is, is a huge benefit for us and a huge benefit for the community. I know the state of Kansas kind of tied back to the education piece just past the reciprocity law. So if you're licensed in North Carolina or another state, you can come in here. They'll accept that license. And now you have a new teacher inside. Kansas. And then the last one's engagement. So we do move in and out a lot. 12 to 24 months, 36 months is usually the longest a soldier is going to stay here. So I would say those community members take the chance and go out and engage and, and go meet them quick because we don't have the time to go, hey, we've wasted a year and now I'm going to walk across the street to introduce myself. We've got to make those relationships quick. 
Yeah, and that's, I mean, I've been here three and a half years, and you're my third garrison commander. Right. So it is, it, it happens right. really fast. Now, again, it was, I was at the end of one, and then yes. we had another, and then we're at the beginning of yours, but but they, they do move fast. Going back to the spousal employment issue, uh, I do want to credit Janet Nichols on our team, who is our military liaison, who did a lot of work on that, along with our contract lobbyist, Dick Carter, and, and some of our other partners. Um, what's the best way for a business to find out where to connect with spouses maybe that are looking for employment? Do you all have a an, an office on um, post that, that we do? That? So so there's different ways you could look at it. So we have uh, you can go online to USA Jobs, which puts every federal job out there and narrow your search kind of down to Fort Riley and see what's out there. And that's everything from from uh, say say maintainers for groundworks if you just got time and want to go mow lawns. Or even our doctors that work at at our hospital there at Fort Riley. So it's you see the whole gamut there, and you can kind of narrow that down, that search down in there. We also attend a lot of the job fairs. I know Janet pulls us into a lot of the chamber activities that are looking for jobs, um, and, and that's kind of that reverse of if you live here in, in in the Flint Hills and are looking for opportunities, we have everything available um, from environmental engineer positions to food service spots. And in some cases, if you're looking for people to work that are, again, the spouses, right. same office on post. Right. Um, and then I will also say, if you're interested in that, you can contact our office. We're trying to make those connections too. And that's Amber Wilhelm, who's our talent strategies coordinator. And I know she's working a lot with the employment office people in on post to yes. try to make those connections as well. So in terms of your personal priorities, do you, do you have any coming into this job or? Uh, so, so I really kind of lay it out for three things. One is uh, just to make sure that me and my team are making, keeping the first infantry division is ready to, to defend our nation as it can be. Uh, again, that could be making sure my childcare providers do everything they could do to make sure those children are safe to run in those ranges and ensuring those soldiers can get out and train. The second big priority is sustaining and building our garrison team. So that's that human resource, that talent management, keep my super talent that I've got and then continue to attract and bring in more more talent just to make that that infrastructure that's behind the scenes happen. And then the third one's the Flint Hills relationships tied into Manhattan, tied into Junction City, tied into all the towns around here that just make the Flint Hills such a great place to be. It is, it is interesting going back to the employment issue because we hear from our private employers that talent is a key issue. And then as I talked to some some of the folks on your team and trying to continue to fill the civilian positions at Fort Riley is becoming more of a challenge. And so hearing how we can all work together to make it better for the entire region, I think uh, obviously benefits everybody. Absolutely, it does. Um, and it's it's interesting, I think, Everybody I hear across all the posts. So, so when the garrison commanders get together, we kind of say, "Hey, where are you having challenge?" It's amazing that across the country, that fight for talent is out there, um, and it's everything from bus drivers to mental health providers. And it, it's so it's a, anybody that can help somebody in the area is um, is doing good for the greater greater cause of that that region. And of course, as uh, the armed services is struggling with some similar challenges, I know Absolutely. General McConville, uh, the Army Chief of Staff, was here recently, and and I had a chance to talk to him because obviously we want to bring more activity to Fort Riley. And and uh, one of the things that he told us publicly and then told told me privately is it's going to be hard to get a lot of new activity to any 
uh, post if we can't fill the positions we have. Correct. We are having a significant recruiting challenge um, and, and getting young Americans to, to say, hey, I, w- I want to serve. Um, part of that is the, the misperceptions they have about the military, about what it really means. And it's funny things when you get feedback and it's, it's questions like, well, I heard, I heard you can't have pets and I heard you can't get married. And I heard all these that you don't get, you don't get to go out on the weekends. And so it's, that's where we're really trying to open up and say, hey, let me show you what the army really is and the goodness that comes out of there. You get the training, you get the education, you get a GI Bill in the future, you get some job experience, and you can do it for three years or you could do it for 30 years. For an 18-year-old, sounds like an amazing amount of time, but a quick three years going from 18 or 19 to 21 to 22 and then walking away with that resume and a GI Bill in the bank, that's a pretty significant opportunity. And a GI Bill, of course, as today we talk about this a lot, GI Bill means free college, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So, Absolutely. So no debt when you, when no you get debt. out. It's going to pay for school. It gives you a stipend to uh, to pay for some room and board and, and, and get you through that process. And how long do you have to be in before you can retire? Ah. Uh, so to retire, you have to be 20 years. Um, but to get that GI Bill, there's a minimum service obligation, I believe, is 36 months. So you're looking, if you decide to retire, you could almost start a new career. Absolutely. You'd be, you'd be potentially right. under 40 still. If you, if you join at 19 years old, you do 20 years, you retire at 39 and then still have another 26 years to make it to 65. So obviously, if somebody's listening who's kid is is thinking about it or maybe themselves if, if it's a younger listener you obviously are here to say that's something people should consider i i really think so and everybody has that picture in their mind if they're going to get in a tank or they're going to run around in the woods with a gun and there's so many other opportunities we've got um our, our culinary experts we've got if you're into weather and meteorology if you've got Public affairs. I mean, it's the, the, there is a huge, anything that you have inside of a small town, we hire and train for that kind of skill set that's out there. So if anybody's interested in whatever, they should talk to a recruiter and say, hey, I like these things. Does the Army have a requirement for this kind of job? And you don't regret it at all? Not at all. Um, we, we've had a great experience. It hasn't all been easy days, but it's when I look back, um, at 20 plus years, we've had a a great time. I've got two daughters. They're both in high school now. It is challenging moving two teenage daughters around with their social life. But at the same time, they are kind of nervous that they're fixing to go to college and they're not going to be tied to that army family anymore. And so, um, it's, it, it does bring challenges, but I think sitting in the same place for 30 years sounds really boring to me. And, and I think my kids would say, you know what, I, we would rather have lived our life the way we've done it. Gotten to live in California, live in Alaska, live in Carolina, live in Tennessee. Now we're in Kansas for the second time. We've gotten to see the entire country and had paid vacations to do it. So your kids are going to Junction City? Is that right? They are. They're both in the new high school down there. They're having a great time. Um, it's a great year. Um, we got a new principal, Gigi Booth's got got everything running super smooth down there. Um, we went to the football game last Friday. Didn't quite work out the way we wanted it to, but that's all right. That's why we've got this Friday. So it's uh, it, it, it's really having a, a, a they're having a great time. And I've heard I haven't had a chance to tour yet. Our school is just beautiful. It's fantastic. I mean, you you can walk from one end to the other is about a quarter mile. So it's it's just even if you're not into school and just want to see architecture, it's a pretty amazing architectural feat. 
And any chance we can uh, get get your girls at K State or are they we're uh, looking, University of Oklahoma? We're, maybe we're what, looking. What we we're looking. There's a lot of debate at our house on where to go to school. Are we going purple? And, and some days it's based on, hey, what do I think I want to be when I grow up? And some days it's like, well, do I like purple or crimson better? What color goes better with my hair? Well, Colonel, thank you so much for being with us today. We do now move into what has become the infamous rapid fire section of the podcast. And so we have a series of questions. You get a second to try to answer them. And and, uh, we ask all our guests to do this. And I'm sure you'll do great. And uh, so we'll get started. You think you're ready? I'm ready. What are you currently reading or a favorite book? Uh, Favorite book, I would say, is called Old Man's War. It's an old sci-fi book, but there's a lot of good lessons to be learned in it. Okay. Best piece of advice you ever received? It's more of a quote, and I can't tell you who said it, but it's that, uh, hey, opportunity gets overlooked a lot of times because it's dressed in overalls and looks a lot like work. So don't be afraid to that's, work hard. That, to get that what sounds you want. like something you would hear in the Texas panhandle. I've, I've been out there, and that's kind of how those folks feel out there. What is your guilty pleasure? Coffee with my wife in the morning on the porch. How is that guilty? That's just because it usually means I'm not out doing oh, my PT in the morning. I got you. Okay. Because my wife would would say that would be a great, that would be, that would be <laughs> the right thing to do. I don't, I'm not sure where the guilty. What is something that you would like to try but haven't had the opportunity? Paragliding. You can hook onto a lawnmower in the sky and go fly around. What could go wrong? Um, yeah. What could go wrong? <laughs> <laughs> a lot of things. <laughs> Favorite flavor of ice cream? Uh, cookie dough. Okay. I, I can sign on for that. Favorite pet? Uh, yellow Labrador. All right. Is that what you have now? That's or is what that... we've got now. Okay. And what's, what's your dog's uh, name? Bailey. Biggest lesson the pandemic taught you? Uh, how important human interaction is. That's a big lesson. First and favorite concert? George Strait was my first one. Uh, another Texas band. As handle, my kids yeah, would, would say, say back in the 1900s. And um, favorite concert was Zach Brown in Nashville. Uh, texting or talking? talking. And what is your favorite business book? Favorite business book. Uh, I don't know if this is really a business book. I would say uh, David and Goliath by Malcolm Gladwell. Okay. And then this is probably the most important. Uh, First national championship for for Brent Venables at the University of Oklahoma. Oh, that'll be in about four months. Okay. All right. Very optimistic about how that's going to go. So, you know, Venables is a K-State guy. I'm that's not sure. Right. I'm sure you knew that. So, it's connection to K-State. A little bit, little so, bit in the gene pool up That's here. right. Well, Colonel Foote, thank you so much for being with us today. We, we appreciate uh, your time, but we also appreciate your lifetime of service to the Army and, and look forward to, to two years of having you in our community. Well, thanks, Jason. It has been a great opportunity to get up here and talk to you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Think MHK, a podcast produced by the Manhattan Area Chamber of Commerce. If you enjoyed the Think MHK podcast, we'd love for you to subscribe and share it out on your social media channels. Feel free to reach out to us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at the Manhattan Area Chamber of Commerce.